What have I? What have I? What have I done to deserve it? What have I since you went away? Pet Shop Boys and Dusty Springfield. Didn't get any better than that. They rescued her from from oblivion, I think. I love the story, actually, on the front of the Daily Mirror about booze women. Denise Welsh drunk again. Pfft, big surprise there. Well, in fact, no big surprise. That's the trouble with loose women. It has become, you know, the drunk old bag show. There's nothing worse than somebody your grandmother's age talking about their love life. And they do it all the time. They do it all the time. You've got that dreadful Zoe creature who's some sort of singing teacher who contributes nothing to the programme at all. She's quite clearly got a potty mouth, because yesterday she was attempting to do double entendres um, about Carol McGiffin's love life and that... And I'm, I'm thought, we're not interested. What sort of tacky people... I mean, to even watch poor Colleen Nolan sitting there discussing her and Ray, and then talk... You know, when she's got two sort of semi-grown-up children, it's like listening to your old mother going on about how many times they were at it. And it's just disgusting. They think it's hilarious. Perhaps it's a low-cast audience, I don't know, but they're, they're, definitely not, they're definitely not the audience they used to be. Used to be a different audience. Apparently it used to be a little bit more highbrow. Not much, because it had... Um, oh, what was that woman's name? I can't remember the woman's name who used to host Loose Women. And then she went on holiday to have a baby, and then she, and then she didn't come back. That was the last we saw her. I, I don't think, actually, that Jane McDonald's done it for ages. She's off touring and, and doing stuff like that. But to be quite honest, I could quite happily see that see the back of Denise Welsh. And, uh, and she can take Colleen Nolan with her. I mean, I think it's about time that Carl kicked some action into the programme and, and trawled for some new faces. So I tell you what's quite good. The woman who won the competition. They had a competition to be a loose woman. And uh, to be honest, I mean, if Denise Welsh is the example of what a loose woman is, it's, it's not particularly good. And, uh, and it's a bit sad, really. You know, she's admitted taking cocaine. She's admitted... And you think, why would you do this? Why would you make yourself look stupid on television? You know, and if she was drunk again at the... Because when I first saw it, I thought it says pulls out of TV show. And I thought, oh, she's pulled out of the dancing on ice thing. No, no, it was only loose women. Well, nobody would have known she was on there anyway. Nobody really cares about that kind of thing. It doesn't really matter. They did try a bloke version. And that didn't work either. That was just rubbish. And uh, and they had Jeff Brazier on there. Why on earth anybody ever jar asks Jeff Brazier to go on to anything? I've got no idea. Christo's not coming in. Well, he's just been doing a programme. Of course he's been coming in. In fact, he's been coming out for so long, I'm thinking of going back in again. It's just ages and ages. And also, because I mentioned his weight. OK, because I mentioned that. We've had a little bit of a tantrum the other side. Now, I don't want to put too fine a point on it. But it, he's, he's, we've had a bit of a stamping. We've had, he, he marched in during the news, picked up his coat, threw it over his shoulder. I think he was some gaucho working on a sort of, you know, a farm somewhere. And, and swished out the studio. And I thought, he obviously thinks he's a bullfighter. But the trouble is, he hasn't really got these, the strength to be a bullfighter. You know, because to be a bullfighter, you've got to be fairly fit. And you've got to be able to run away from the bull. I mean, it'd be easier if you just sat on top of the bull, because that way you could bring it down straight away. And, uh, no, I'm not saying that he's, he's carrying a lot of weight, mainly in his clothes. He does seem to have a lot of, uh, lot of clothes on it, so he's not talking to me now, which, frankly, is a blessing in disguise, because it was getting... It's, he's just staring. He's, he's doing that kind of, I'm going to stare you out thing. Well, I've seen that look before. You generally get it in panto at the end of the run, when people stand there at the audience thinking, I really can't stand any of you. I wish you'd all just bugger off now. And so he's, he's, he's doing that stone. But it, it doesn't frighten me, you see. It doesn't frighten me, because I know, I know that he's going to go home from here to an unfinished house, and he's going to open the cupboard, and there won't be anything in there. There'll be a pot noodle. There will be a pot noodle. And, and he'll, he'll have a look at it, and he'll sort of think, I'd really like to eat something, but I can't. Because if, if, if I do, 
Jeff Brazier was in Lossy. What's, what's Lossy? Oh, yeah. Was in Loose at 5pm. What was that? Was that the same as Loose Women? It was like a Loose Men programme. Lovely. It's a bit like dealing with the deaf in here this morning. We're sort, of, we're, we're sort of doing it, we're sort of communicating, but only via the computer. Now, I don't type because I don't have the ability in any of my fingers to type up. And judging by what he wrote, first of all, he doesn't have any ability in any of his fingers either to type up things. So he's doing it. He'll probably keep this going all week. And in the end, he'll have to write to me and say, Steve, I'm really sorry because I think he went to my cupboard last night and I think he stole some food. Because there was definitely a gap in the cupboard. I don't know what it is, but there's definitely something that's missing. Did you go to the cupboard last night? Yeah, right. I think if we're... Actually, one of these days, we're going to have to call his bluff. We're going to have to bring in a medical team to pump his stomach to find out. Because exa- I think... Some, yeah, I'm not, a camera would be easy. Then we could just have... He'll be opening the cupboard. You see the little face in there. And then and the little hand will come in. And we should grab something. We could do a montage of Christo pinching. Because they are looking for things to do on the LBC website at the moment. Although I've said to Adrian, I'm not doing it. I said, yeah, if Christo wants an apology... Pff, yeah, right. Eat, eat fluff and die, I think, would be the expression. An, apolo- an apology for what? An ap- I d- listen, I, d- I never apologise. I'm practically perfect in every way. Julie Andrews taught me that. I never apologise. I'm terribly sorry. We just don't do things like that. I'm... S- see, I can't even say it. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. I'm really... S- it doesn't work. I mean, the nearest I could get to is I'm really sorry you're fat. And that's as far as I could ever get with him. I can't go any further. So you're probably fine, but tomorrow's programme, he'll be going through my cupboard, he'll be ripping sweets open. It'll be a nightmare. Perhaps we'll find an old sort of booze bottle in there, which, which Denise Welsh... What is the matter with Denise Welsh and her boozing? Why, do, why doesn't she just get help? You know, if you, know, if, if, you, if you do enjoy a drink... I mean, we all enjoy... I mean, I've seen Christo after he's had a few drinks. I, I know you're not drinking, though, but I have seen you. And I've had to literally run out of the studio. But anyway, I don't want to go into that, because it's, it's an ongoing court case. And, um... And he's, he's had a few drinks. And I remember in the last building, he, di- he did lurch around a desk once. Do you remember? Do you remember? I remember it so well. Luckily, I've got photos to, uh, to prove it, just in case it does come up in course. I know you don't drink at work. You hadn't drunk at work. You'd been out on a thing. You'd been out to a party. Do you remember? In the last... Luckily, it's all caught on CCTV, so we're all right, and I have the tape at home. I'm a bit Bob Monkhouse. I save loads of things like that, just in case... But, uh, no, not at work. You'd, you'd, you'd been out to do an event, a party or something. Perhaps an opening. Do you remember? Do you remember? He'd been out to do a, an opening. And he'd come back in and he was still sitting there, trying to type something up. The smell... I opened the door. I nearly fell over with the alcohol. Really, honestly. I mean, small wonder you've had to take yourself in hand this year, you know. It was getting a bit out of hand. <laughs> do you not remember it? I'm surprised you don't remember it. We all remember it very well. My, my, poor, my poor producer at the time, Giles, remembers it even... He's still traumatised. Was it you? Was it you? Good Lord. Oh, my God. Little Amanda remembers it. He's, I think he's done it more than once. <laughs> Certainly wouldn't have been a one-off, would it? If you like doing it the first time, do it the second time. I like that. I don't like the rain. And it was last night's clothes and everything. Oh, it was... He was falling all over the place, and we're going, what are you doing? I've just got to type this thing up, he's going. And I'm thinking, oh, we had lots of hugging going on, and there's one thing I don't do. When somebody's had a drink, I can't bear being touched. I've I've got an aversion to it. I don't like it at all. He's going, oh, let's have a group hug. Let's not. Let's let's all go home. (laughs) But we've all had moments. Come on, admit it at home. You've had days, haven't you, where you've had a few drinks in the pub, and, th- and somebody says to you the next time, my God, you had a skinful yesterday. And you go, did I? Because you can't remember. 
And, and some people are very good drunks, and some people are very bad drunks. And uh, they become very naughty boys. I'm actually really good. I just want to go to sleep. I am really... I'm, I'm, I'm the happiest drunk you could ever meet. I just get drunk, and unfortunately I do become a wee bit affectionate. Just a wee bit affectionate on the drinking. But I'm... I'm ne- I know. Yeah, oh, right, L.A. She, she's going on about this L.A. thing. Like, I had two drinks. She was chucking it down. Let's have a cocktail here. And I'm thinking, God, she's costing a fortune. It was quite an expensive uh, night out, which I paid for. Don't, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not a mean person when it comes to drinks. So I'm happily sort of, you know, buying the drinks for her. And because she's... Sh- you'd have thought, being short, that drinks would have a quicker effect. No chance... It's pre- she could, I mean, she could have filled her legs up and still kept going. I mean, she was sloshing around in there. She, a bit, she had to go and meet Dip Van Dyke the next day. She's a bit tiddly. I think at one point he had to hold her up <laughs> just to see her because she's quite small. And he was sort of holding, oh, look, there you are, and put her down again. And then because she's going, I've had a drink, you know. <laughs> I'm from England. Of course you are, dear, patting her on the head, you know, in that sort of patronising kind of way. But we've all done it, but I am a very happy drunk. Some people get very aggressive when they've had drink, and they generally appear on Sky News. But um, I'm I'm just a happy person. It it doesn't bother me in the slightest. I just want to talk. You know, you'd think I talk mostly, uh, you know, at the moment, but I, I do I do even better when I've had a couple of drinks. So, uh, hence the reason for cutting back on it. But Christo, we remember... So well, those days when he sort of staggered back in. And then he just wandered off into the night. He just sort of wandered out. <laughs> it's really bizarre. Very, very strange. So I do feel sorry for, for poor old Denise Welsh. You know, couldn't manage doing the show. It's what you call unprofessional. She's got nothing else to do. I mean, I couldn't care. She can drink as much as she likes. It doesn't bother me. If that's what she wants to do, that's fine. But it is unprofessional. When you're booked to do something and you apparently phone somebody up, in this case it was Colleen Nolan, so we had to suffer with her again, uh, going, listen, I'm really not going to be too well tomorrow. Can you cover for me? And so Colleen Nolan goes, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this morning. So you get, you get two doses of her. You know, bad enough once, now you get her twice. And, um, and we had to put up with that, which was a shame. So we'll probably have Denise Welsh on today. And she'll probably laugh about it. She'll go... Well, it were a party, you know, and we had a couple of drinks. You know, whereas really, I think the audience should boo. Somebody should start the booing. Boo, you're a disgrace. Shout out, you're a disgrace. And watch her backtrack like there's no tomorrow. Because the audience sit there like seals, like that, clapping, as if being drunk at her age is something to, to applaud. It's not really, it'll kill her. Not very good at all, poor soul. But uh, there again, as long as it keeps that Zoe creature off the television, I really don't mind. Uh, Barbara Windsor has waded into the EastEnders thing, according to the papers today, and uh, she says that they've, uh, they've lost the plot. Uh, do you know, I've forgotten she joined in 94. Blimey, it seems ages ago, doesn't it? Ages and ages ago. Uh, Derek Martin, who, uh, who plays Cat's dad Charlie and is leaving the soap this week, admitted he was also surprised by the plot. He said, when I heard the news about the swap, it was a surprise to me, but the cot death is a thing that happens, and the swap, you see it in movies. He's absolutely right. You know, it, it is a soap at the end of the day. Sometimes people push it a little bit too far, and some and sometimes they, they don't. Oh, you're in a foul mood, aren't you? Just leave it, OK? Just leave it. Do you know where mo- most germs are now? Did you read this in the paper? Oh, I know. On they're in, they're in uh, on cash point. Cash point machines. We have to go to headlines, so thank you. Lovely to see you. Goodbye. Thanks. So anyway, quite enough of him. I don't want to push that one. OK, goodbye. Bye. All right, thank you. It's still here. It's not going to go. It's going to be one of those annoying people today. 
News headlines, at quarter past five, eight people have died and more than 70 are missing after flash floods in Australia overnight. One of the country's most senior doctors claims healthy people aren't, who aren't at risk of getting flu should be banned from having private vaccinations. And a 22-year-old man arrested after a shooting spree in Arizona has appeared in court. Six people were killed during an assassination attempt on Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords in Tucson on Saturday. Let's have a check on the roads for you this morning. Jay Louise. Station with me, Nick Ferrari, this morning from seven. He said that was some, you know, imagine, can't you? Mm. So anyway, it's lovely anyway, that so outfit. Thank you, I uh, accept your apology, and it's really lovely that you said that. <laughs> yeah, you, right, oh yeah, right, as if, yeah, you're still fat, okay, you're still fat, you're still feed for my cupboard, yeah, yeah right, bye. off you go, bye. Do you know, honestly, it's so annoying, isn't it? He'd obviously, it took him that long, it took the duration of the news to work out. If I come back and then very quickly say, thank you for your apology, that then puts me in, in the right. And, of course, it doesn't, because, A, I never apologise. I'm just, I'm just not an apologising sort of person, really, because I'm all right. Lovely, see you, see you tomorrow. God, it goes all dark when he passes underneath the light. He goes past a light, and all of a sudden it's like an eclipse in here. And it's very funny, but uh, lovely to see him. Lovely to see the weights not full. Mind you, they're all on diets. Have you noticed? Upstairs, Dan is on a diet as well, apparently. Well, he said so. I mean, I, I keep trying to force chocolate down him, but um, he's, he's not... And he says, and oh, no, I'm on this, this diet. Well, I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, I don't know. Are you sure? Because people say they're on diets. And I don't know how long into the diet, you know, before you start seeing some results. Because I'm... Like... But it's true. I mean, I don't... Because if you see somebody every day, you don't notice them. It's if somebody hasn't seen me for a few years and they see me, pro- they might say, you look like you put on a pound or two, you know, or, or a stone or something like that. But if you see somebody every day, you don't notice the weight falling off. And this is the time of year where we all go, I really want to be fit this year. And, you know, and with the best will in the world, most of us over 35 are not going to be fit this year. We might actually be still moving around and we might actually better pick up shopping and carry it and do things like that. But unfortunately, for the, we're just not doing it. People have got a bit, bit lazy when it comes to exercise. The only way you'll ever exercise is to sit at... Oh, welcome back. Is to, uh, is to sit at home and, and do sit-ups. And, and I can, but it's boring. It's boring. And, and then, then they brought out toning tables. Have you seen these? Tables which are split down the middle and the top of the table moves. It's like a giant motor. And you think, well, that's lovely, but you've got to exert some sort of energy to get the fit. I mean, Christo, unfortunately, they, don't, they only make adult-sized tables. They don't do the children-sized ones. And, 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 but I don't think you're actually working anything off doing this. Because they came in and they went out fairly quickly. And uh, so, oh, he's lost something. You know what? I'm going to be blamed now. He's missing so- something's gone missing. He's lost his. Oh, he's <laughs> he's one of these people as well. Far be it for me to say forgetful, but he lost his pass. We all have these passes. Here it is. Here, plastic. Got my photo on it, etched on laser by Roy, and um, and he lost it. So I gave him another one. <laughs> now lost that one as well. <laughs> just, do you know some people lose things? I mean, I have to be honest. I take my pass off when I leave here. And I put it in my pocket, and it stays there, unless I'm going back home and then going out shopping. And yesterday, I did go home and go out shopping. Christmas trees are down. Thank the Lord for that one. We don't want any more bad luck. And, because my poor driver, Mohammed, this morning... What are you looking at? It's not in here. Oh, I don't know. Is your pass in here? Wouldn't tell him if it was. Um, is it in here? I don't think so. Can't see it anywhere. Oh, well, you just have to go to jail with a get-out-of-jail-free card. You're just not gonna... It's not, you, he'll find it upstairs. It'll be somewhere upstairs. It, it will turn up. But in here, no. So anyway, my, my poor driver, Mohammed, this morning, he's, uh, he's a young Muslim guy. 
He's got three children. He loves his cars. He's big into his cars, and he, he swapped a short while ago, and I'm blown if I remember what it is, but it's a bit blinged up. And it was like a big four-by-four, and you have to practically get a stepladder to climb into it, okay? So he's got this thing, and he's got it on, uh, like, a a contract, okay? And so he's worked out that he can afford to have it with the work that he's he's doing uh, private hire. He's doing, you know, he works for a big company, and they pick up a lot of celebrities. In fact, guess who's just moved? I only heard this the other day. Who's just moved into Twickenham? Vanilla Ice. Vanilla Ice has moved into Twickenham. I can only assume, while he's doing the dancing on ice thing, he must have rented a property. Can't wait to see him in Poundland. Can't wait to see... Sorry, mate, you Vanilla Ice. Because he's American, isn't he? We didn't know if he was... Yeah, he's definitely American. So anyway, he did Ice... Uh, that dreadful Jedward record. Oh, God. I know it wasn't Jedward, I know, but Jedward covered it, miming badly. And, because uh, I can't sing for Toffee, poor souls. But it doesn't matter, that's neither here nor there. So we're, we're talking about his car... And this morning he turns up to pick me up, because he also picks up Johnny Vaughan. And also, where's, where's Dave Berry? I'm normally used to seeing Dave Berry. Is he still on holiday? It's, now, it's the 11th. I mean, I'm used to seeing his little face and his little slim body. And we've, well, we've, I'm, not, I'm not missing him. It's not like a relationship. I'm just sort of thinking, when we walk up the corridor, we see all the people in classic, and then the next studio along is, is XFM. But they're going to move upstairs shortly to the studio vacated by Capital, who've moved to this super-duper studio at the back, which is on the... Uh, it's on the same... Where is it? Oh, no, it's at the back of the building. We're, I don't know where we are now. We must be at the side. And, um, and I always see Dave Berry, so I always wave every morning, and he sort of waves back. And I've not seen him for ages. I need to stick my head round the door and find out where he's gone to. So anyway, so Mohammed turns up this morning in a Mercedes... And because it was tipping down, he sort of reversed a bit underneath. But then I had to go and throw the rubbish out and then go to the car to get an umbrella out. So he's driving back with some force. So I get in the car and he goes, you're probably wondering why I'm in this car. I mean, it's not, there's nothing the matter with the Mercedes. But his other car was really super duper big, loads of room. It's all blinged up. It's got pretty lights in it. It, it looks like you're in an aircraft cockpit. And what he did was he took out a contract with it from a company... But unfortunately, the car came from another company. So it was third hand down the line. He didn't know about the first company. He only knew about the... So he, he knew about the first company. He didn't know about the second company. So he gets stopped fairly regularly. I can only say this because he's a young Muslim boy. He's driving a very flash car. And I told you the experience he had the other week where the police stopped outside my place as he drove into the car park to pick me up, and then waited until he drove back out again. And I'm thinking, now, are you just looking at him because he looks very young to be driving a very flash car? Are you stopping him because he's an Asian lad? You know, why are you stopping? Because he gets stopped on a regular basis. So the day before yesterday, no, three days ago, he gets stopped. And uh, the police just do the routine check. Yeah, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. Then three days ago, exactly, he gets stopped again. And this time, the police uh, say, OK, let's check the name. Yeah, that's fine. Wait a bit, there's something coming through on the car. Uh, right. He said, it is my car. They went, there's a problem. The, the first company who got it from the second company, the second company's gone belly up. And so all the vehicles have been repossessed again. So he loses his car at the roadside. They go, listen, you know, we give you enough time to empty it and all the rest of it. Really sorry about this. He said, but it was only checked the other day and it was fine. And they said, yes. And they said, but now, unfortunately, it's, it's got to go back to the company because, obviously, whoever they leased it from want it back. 
So he's been paying. He paid £1,000 for tyres. He's done all these things to it. But he's, it's on a lease arrangement. And so he ended up with no car. Luckily, it was in East London, where he lives, and so he was able to walk home. But this happens to a lot of people. And what they're going to start doing now, not necessarily in, in Mohammed's case, but in a lot of cases, if the police see a car on the road and it's got no insurance, they're going to take it away from you. The government are bringing in these sweeping powers and they're going to be in within the month. And if they see a car and you get stopped by the police, they're not going to let you drive away. If you've got no insurance or there's no MOT or there's no tax disc on the car, they're going to take it and crush it. Because the big problem that we've got on the roads at the moment is cars that aren't insured. I've had experience of being hit by a driver. It took my insurance company, well, the second part of it, eight months to find out they weren't insured. Police contend in about five seconds. And so what they're going to do is they're going to be taking cars, and people are going to be standing by the road, they're going to go, I'm terribly sorry, uh, we're, we're taking the car. And there's going to be people screaming and shouting, and they're going to make them walk home. And there's going to be more and more of these police cars around, and the little cars with the periscopes on. If they see your car, it'll be marked, the police will come round, they'll take it away, and they'll crush it. And frankly, it can't happen quick enough, as far as I'm concerned, because there are thousands of people out there driving with no insurance, no driving licences, no tax, no MOT, driving death traps because they've bought them. They're mainly, a lot of them, are illegal minicab drivers. You're getting in cars with people with no driving licences, but, I mean, if you want to do that, that's your problem. Uh, you know, there's a, a limit to how many times people on television and radio and newspapers can say, don't get in these, these filthy wagons. They're over here, they tout every day. I could stand up at Piccadilly Circus now and pick them out for you. I could pick out 20 drivers. I could go, he's an illegal minicab, he's an illegal... I can pick them out, they're dead easy. You go around certain bits of Soho, all illegal. I would also take the rickshaws off the street, but that's just something else I would have to deal with, because they don't have any insurance either. So, in other words, you're involved in an accident, kind of tough. You know, who are you going to sue? The little bloke on the front who barely speaks English? I don't think so. He's not going to... He's just going to say, I'm just driving it. You just pay me a thing, I'll take you from here to there. I wouldn't get in them. I see people getting in them, they're drunk, they think they're great fun. They're not great fun. Great fun in Kuala Lumpur. Unfortunately, not great fun in London, where you've got loony drivers with no insurance and stuff like that. So, so I, I can't wait for the government to bring... They're bringing in something else. What else was it? I remember thinking, God, that's fantastic. There was something else that, that pleased me greatly. Perhaps it was sort of throwing Denise Welsh in prison very quickly every time she embarrasses herself on television. But she will be on Loose Swimming and she'll be going, Oh, I can't believe I was drunk again. We're going... Getting to be a little bit of a habit, dear, isn't it? It's about time now that TV producers went, it's not funny anymore. It's particularly sad and tragic. You need to get some help. You're a married woman. You've got children. You're making yourself look like a complete nutter turnip. I was just singing, here we go, here we go, here we go. I don't know why I was singing that, actually, this morning. I'm feeling in quite a chirpy mood. It's only because I, I did say to Mohammed, I said, listen, because he really wants his car back. He really wants the car. And I said, don't worry. Listen, God moves in a mysterious way. Something will happen. He said, well, a lot of my friends have said to me, listen, something bad happens, which means that there's something good around the corner. I didn't want to say to him, sometimes bad things come in threes, because that sounded a bit, bit sort of down, and I like to be positive about these things. But he wants his car back. It really does. Today, I need to go... I've got to go to Costco today. I've got to go to Costco. Because I've got to get some air fresheners. I've got to get some... And it's the producer's birthday in May. I just... I said to her, I said, when's your birthday? You know, making... I'm making polite conversation, OK? I'm saying to her, I said, I said, oh, so when is your birthday? And she said, it's May. She said, why? I said, just making conversation, you know. And then I said, when... So, so when's Easter? Yeah, you're getting, you're getting air... What's the matter with getting air fresh? These are nice. They come in a pack of three, and you get the automatic machine. What's that? God, honestly, talk about ungrateful. She gets all that booze in Santa Monica. 
all that booze. And then, you know, you buy her an air freshener back, which you go, Shh. Oh, I was forced. Oh, right. I love this. You were forcing me to drink that. I know. I was holding you down and pouring it down your throat. Oh, for goodness sake. Honestly, get over yourself. Um, uh, oh, top uh, British movie. The King's Speech, which is good for Noreen, because she's going to see it. And she said, we're taking our friend. It's got rave reviews. Ian Dale talked about it. We didn't listen. In case he spoilt it for us. <laughs> oh, you'll love it. You'll love it. I haven't, you know, I've not been to cinema for ages. I've got to put my new Blu-ray player in today. I'm going to do... I'm going to put my new Blu-ray player in. I've decided I'm going to cheer myself up and do... I not that I need cheering up. I just think I need to do something today and get some exercise. Got to go for a walk as well. Uh, Ian Wright, that really intelligent presenter off the television, is, uh, is going to wed his long-term girlfriend. I remember when he was married to a woman he had on This Is Your Life and they had children, and then he ditched her. And, uh... No, no, he's... No, it's all finished now. He, he's going to marry his, uh, his new girlfriend, uh, Nancy Hallam, uh, in July... So that's good. He, he does have a one-year-old daughter with Nancy. So it's nice to know they, they have got the children. So he's now got, uh, I think that's uh, four children he's got. Five children. He's got an adopted son, hasn't he? Who's Sean Wright Phillips, who plays for Man City. And uh, so he's got five children, which is good. David Beckham here with that silly old man haircut. What is it with this haircut, Davy boy, at the moment? But uh, he was giving the thumbs up in a Tottenham Hotspur tracksuit. I think he spends his life in football stuff. He goes, you know, I think I'll wear Tottenham Hotspur today. <laughs> but uh, Vicky, yesterday thanked all the well-wishers for their congratulations. Do you know, I've still got the letter that she said, because you remember, of course, the great Vicky and, uh, and the Spice Girls and Steve Allen thing, where, where Vicky used to phone up. She used to phone me up all the time on the phone. Because her dad and her mum, listen, big listeners, big listeners. And, uh, and so when, when Vic came in to do some features, she came into my programme and I got the whole family in. Everybody came in. I didn't know the whole family were coming in. I got mum, dad, sister and Vicky and Dave was outside walking up and down with the baby. And everybody's going, David Beckham's outside. David Beckham's outside. I'm going, I wish he was in here. I know. I mean, we wouldn't have minded to get David Beckham in. But to be honest with you, there was no room in the studio. It was taken up with the parents. But uh, it was really good, actually. It was really good. They're such a nice family. You know, and she can t- she takes anything. She really couldn't give a forex. You know what people? It makes no difference to, as long as they're talking about her. She doesn't care. Let's face it. When she was in the Spice, Spice Girls, they called her rubbish. So it makes no difference to her now whether you call her clothes rubbish or anything. She doesn't care. It's like water off a duck's back. About herself, she laughs all the time. I know we don't see it, and I know I keep saying smile a bit more. She can smile. It's just that she doesn't think she looks good smiling. You know, some people, I don't know whether you've ever done this, but if ever you've fantasised over being famous, you probably stood in front of them and you've gone, hi. And you, and you practice, hello, hi. And you do all sorts of, it's like practising your signature. When, if you think you're going to be famous, you, you practise your autograph. And you go, lots of love, Steve. And the trouble is, when I write it now, if I write it quickly, it looks like Stuve. So for ages, friends of mine used to call me Stuve Allen. Because, and, and then somebody wrote, it looks like you've written Sue. I said, well, quite clearly I'm not Sue, am I? You know, so you, you write all these things down. And I think for the same for her. She used to practice doing her signature of what it used to look like. Some people are very good and their, their autograph looks fantastic. Oh, I knew that's what I was going to mention to you. Uh, so somebody said to me the other day, they said, you've got to watch this programme on iPlayer because I missed it. And it was about Bob Monkhouse. And, and it suddenly gave me an idea for, for the next live show. 
which is, uh, we're, we're going to do a bit of a change around, but we thought second half I'll do, and we thought we'd do all the people who've come in, the famous people, because I interviewed Bob Monkhouse on LBC years ago, and I have a sneaking feeling that somewhere in his archives, there's me. And I tell you for why I think that is because he recorded everything. He was one of the very first people to actually have a Sony video recorder at home. So every show he ever did on television or whatever, he recorded. And the machine is still in existence. Well, it sounds like it's you know, 300 years ago. But they did this documentary on when, um, when Bob died, his wife carried on living in the house. And when she died the other year, they went in there because they have a, a daughter... Because one of his sons, I think he had two sons, I can't remember what happened. But they, uh, he made home movies. And they've never seen the light of day, and you've got Bob. He, he married twice. But he, uh, he collected everything. There were boxes, there were 3,000 tapes of TV shows that the TV companies don't even have. ATV threw out everything. He went round, picked it all up took it home. So he collectively has got the archive. Now, the problem with it is it's all being cleaned up and restored, but it's finding out who owns the copyright. It's not his copyright, in the same way that everything that I do on LBC is not my copyright, it's LBC's copyright. I can't own any of my in-conversations because I've used LBC's airwaves for transmitting them, I've used their studio facilities, and so that's, that's how that works. But he saved everything. And they've got lots of clips of him doing the golden shot, because you remember he was fired from the golden shot. And the reason he was fired is because the TV company, he'd been doing it for four years. And the TV company, ATV, because if you ever saw the programme, it was a simple, it was a target game. It was like being at the fun fair. You had a bow, never get away with it now, loaded, a crossbow loaded with a dart that could have killed you. And they were taking in ordinary members of the public... And the idea was you had to hit the target, which then set something on fire and money, for whatever it happened to be. And at the very end of the game, they had a thin wire, and you had to slice the wire to open the cash thing at the top. So they get somebody up on the phone, and they had this, this, this particular guy, and you would, they would have Bernie the bolt, and Bernie would be blindfolded, and he would put the bolt in, and then he would be directed by the person on the phone. And the person on the phone would go, left a bit, left a bit... Up a bit, right a bit, left a bit, fire. And if you hit the thread, the money would cascade out. And it was, it was only something like, might have, have been like 250 quid, which in those days was like, blimey. That was a f- people would kill for that, 250 pounds. And I remember the guy they had on there once, and lovely Anne Aston was on there, and uh, they got Bernie the Bolt in. And they go to this bloke on the phone, and they go, and next it's, uh, it's uh, Alan. Hello. And so they go, right, you ready? He goes, I am. And so he goes, right, 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 right. And they're going, wh- wh- where are you going? And he goes, well, nearly there, right. And they get, no, wait a minute, you're miles off, you're miles off. The- you need to come back a bit. And he goes, really? And they go, where are you? He said, I'm outside Radio Rentals. And he's watching it, he's in the phone box. And he's watching it on the televisions in the window when Radio Rentals used to have all the TV. So he kept watching it going all the way across. Poor soul. So Bob Monkhouse got fired. And the reason he got fired is because ATV claimed that he was taking bribes from companies to mention their name. In other words, it was called... It was early product placement. It went on all the time. I have to tell you that down at, uh, at a certain radio station 
in London years ago, the, the record pluggers would turn up to get their records on the playlist. Um, you could check this with Richard Park, I guarantee this would go on, and your record would get on the playlist, depending on either backhanders to the DJ, lunches, holidays, because what they wanted was the record on the playlist. People would drop everything to get people on top of the pops, because if you got on top of the pops, the whole country would watch it because there was no competition, and your record would shoot up the charts. Or failing that, in the case of one particular group's records, you could get them into the charts by buying them in. There used to be such things as chart return shops. These were known to people in the industry, and they would go round there, and the record would come out on the, say, Friday... All the record company executives would go around all the chart return shops and buy their own records back. So when the record shop submitted their returns at the end of the day, it looked like, say, for example, you know, the, the, the Wombles had shot up the charts. The moment you got into the top ten, you started getting play on the television. And they were hoping, but of course, most bought-in records like that from the chart return shops, you could tell, because they came in the charts at number three, the next week they disappeared completely. Because nobody was buying them. The record company people, had, they had garages full of these things. So payola was very big. And Bob Monkhouse got dropped. They said, listen, we, we believe that you're taking bribes from companies. Uh, to mention, you know, and I've got a lovely Jaguar sitting outside. And, uh, and they said, it's, it's, it's got to stop. So they replaced him with Norman Vaughan. And Norman Vaughan, on the very last show, because it was that the whole programme Golden Shop was live... You could get away with anything. And Bob was really, really annoyed that he'd been dropped because his career had, had gone along. He'd done very, very well. His uh, comedy partner had gone to America to write for Bob Hope and uh, he came to a tragic end because, you know, things didn't turn out the way. Bob himself enjoyed a drink. In fact, when he came into LBC, he brought in his own bottle of whiskey and sat there drinking it. And he was happier with his drink. He worked really well. But on the Golden Shot... He, he said, oh, he said, that, that, uh, that bolt nearly went off target there. I wonder if it killed Norman Vaughan. But he was quite serious. And Norman Vaughan had a go at it. He never did the business that Bob Monkhouse did. Bob Monkhouse was always the game show host. He was, he was almost prior Bruce Forsyth. Bruce Forsyth took on the mantle. But before that, it was Bob Monkhouse. And he knew exactly what he was doing. People used to say, oh, he was smarmy, he was this and that. It wasn't. It was a very carefully crafted act, and he knew exactly what he was doing. He was brilliant. At one point, he was a straight actor. He was the, the first comedian, I think, to appear in uh, the Carry On film. He was in Carry On Sergeant, because he was a bit of a heartthrob. People thought he was a, he was a bit of a heartthrob. He's rumoured to have had an affair with Diana Dawes, which I think is true, because I think she had quite a few affairs. And um, anyway... He, they then dropped him from the Golden Shot, and uh, he carried on doing his, his cabaret, making his, his money and, and just working like all good pros work. Eventually, they admitted four years later that Norman Vaughan wasn't working, they tried Charlie Williams, who I think must have been the first black guy on television. He used to call everybody Flower. Hello, me old Flower, he used to say. And they got rid of him, and they brought back uh, Bob Monkhouse, and he was back where he deserved to be. He was doing game shows on the television, and he was very happy doing them. But he was, he was a fascinating man. But it was all the shows that he saved and all the archive material that they had that when they restore, I'd love to see it. I mean, you could actually put it out as the Bob Monkhouse archive because it was... Yes, OK. Pound. Pound. OK. Pop it, yes, pop it on his slate. OK. Um, so, so he, I mean, he was a really most fascinating man. But tiny... He was, he was another little tiny person, but he was just wonderful, absolutely wonderful. So I, I, I might tell more of those, uh, more of those stories on the, uh, on the next bit of uh, live show. Ali Ross talking today about um, 
the, the dreadful uh, show that I'm afraid was famous and fearless. This is Chris Evans's a total unmitigated disaster, I'm afraid, for everybody. But he does say, um, random irritations. I like random irritations. Silly Sharon Marshall biting the newspaper hand that once fed her on this morning. Oh, she'll bite anybody's hand, Sharon Marshall. Ghastly. Although she's done herself up quite well. She's married now. She's actually managed to get herself married. But she looks quite good. She's obviously got this 40s look going on. Uh, Britain's fattest man telling us 57 stone Paul Mason has a history of failed diets. No kidding. (laughs) He said, and David Walliams making a two-hour list show about bad telly that didn't include Come Fly With Me. (laughs) Plus, he says, and everybody's saying this recently, tiresome Kelly Holmes. Tiresome Kelly Holmes, forever reminding us she's won two Olympic gold medals. We know, he says, we know. And he says, Carol McGiffin's feeble New Year resolution is to spend more money on my appearance. He says, how much does a paper bag cost? News headlines, eight people have died and more than 70 are missing after flash floods in Australia overnight. Parts of the country's third largest city, Brisbane, are being evacuated. The chair of the Royal College of GPs says healthy people who aren't at risk of flu should be banned from having private vaccinations. Dr Claire Gerarda says healthy people buying the flu jab have contributed to shortages. And Barclays chief executive Bob Diamond will be questioned by MPs later in his first public appearance since taking the job. He's likely to be questioned about reports he's in line for an £8 million bonus. Check on the roads for you this morning. Jay Louise. Thank you very much. Me, Nick Ferrari, this morning from 7. Morning, everybody. Twelve minutes to uh, to six is the time. I hope you enjoyed that story about Bob Monkhouse, because if you saw the uh, the programme on the television, it was fascinating. They had loads of it, including Lenny Henry talking about him. You can podcast Lenny Henry. Uh, this week, I'm going to, in our In Conversation, we're going to make you happy. OK, for those people, we're not talking about people who are clinically depressed. We can't do anything about clinical depression, but we're going to make you happy. Because we're going to be talking to Paul McKenna. He's got a new book out at the moment, which is called Make Yourself Happy. Because uh, some people, believe it or not, go through life and, and they're not very happy. And it doesn't take too much to be happy. And it's not money and it's not material things. It's not a job. It's just your own. Do- you have it within your capabilities, as Paul McKenna will tell you on Sunday morning, to make yourself happy. I've always said it doesn't matter what the job is. It is what you make it. If you go into a job and, uh, and you hate it, you've got to get yourself out of that kind of thinking. You have to be reprogrammed. And Paul will tell you about reprogramming yourself. So, in other words, to take away the negative side and make it more positive. Because every job I've had, I don't think I've had a job ever that I've hated. Not, not that I've had that many jobs, but I've never had a job that I've not liked. I've always enjoyed a job, and I've always sort of made the most of it. Even working in a shop. I loved working in a shop. I used to look forward to it. I used to sort of fight people for the customers. Because if you're just standing around, I wasn't achieving anything. So I liked customers. Dorman Dom is driving back, getting ready for the, uh, for the show. Obviously came a little while ago. Duncan and Hawley says the police are crushing cars now. And one of my friendly coppers from old Chaffing Cross, who's Andy, he says we can already seize non-insured vehicles and no licence, and I do on a regular basis. God... It's all I need, Andy. It's all I need. Hope you're all well. Such a nice building you're in, isn't it? It used to be a hospital, didn't it? I wonder if it's still got the beds and the mortuary in. I'm led to believe it had, because I th- it was the Charing Cross. It was, I forgot what the hospital was now, but I'm sure it was before you lot moved in. 
Uh, read your chat on toasters the other day, says Diana. I just went down to make my tea and toast and the toaster exploded. So I shall be trawling through the toaster pages in the Argos catalogue later. I did go yesterday, because uh, I, went, I went to get the producer's birthday present. Okay, went to get, I know. Don't worry. It's penicillin, same as four last year. Away. I know, four months away. I like to be in advance of things, you know, so it's, uh, so I've, I've got your, your, your present. So I'm getting something besides the air freshness from Costco that you're going to get today. Yeah, you're getting the thing to put them in. Oh, Which is good, isn't it? You really shouldn't have. Well, you know, really? spoil me, call me Susan, really? I don't care. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, don't call me Susan. Um, <laughs> if you tell her that, it makes her feel a bit better about life, you see. You can make people happy. So if I, if I say to her, listen, I've got your birthday present, she, it puts a smile on her face. I haven't really, but uh, it puts a smile on her face and she sits there going, oh, is that nice? I mean... I mean, to be honest with you, it doesn't make any difference. As long as she's happy till seven, I don't really care. I do that to people a lot. I tell them, oh, I've got you a lovely present. And they go, oh, have you? And I go, yeah, I haven't really. I just tell them that. It makes them happy for a little while. Uh, the best uh, sport drama documentary, Fly on the Wall documentary, was, of course, the Lakeside World Darts Championships, uh, emceed for the 25th year by Martin the Legend Fitzmorris, a world within a world where my favourite moments, writes Ali Ross... Uh, David Croft yelping, Martin Adams has risen like a darting bagpuss. I mean, I know. Did you, did you watch any of it? It really looks like just a lot of unemployed people with tattoos and big beer guts throwing darts at a board and a lot of really naff people in the audience. Uh, incidentally, uh, ITV1's interview with Max Mosley will be screened on Thursday. BBC Two's World Dance Championship should be screened in the first two weeks of January for all eternity. It is actually a little bit funny, actually, just to watch Colin Murray struggling through anything. When you think it was... So many years ago, he was attempting to be a, a TV personality. He's now just an irritant on the television with silly glasses. And I'm sorry, darts, it's got to go. It really has. It's just naff. Oh, Colin Murray, I mean, it's not really... He's not good-looking. It's, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, other stories here... Uh, this was, um, what else we got here? Interview of the week. This was courtesy of BBC Two Scar Stargazing Live. Uh, Mark Thompson, the Andromeda Galaxy is a distance of two and a half million light years away. Jonathan Ross, so how long does it take for light to reach us? And Mark goes, two and a half million years. <laughs> I mean, nothing worse, is there? that the person who's presenting the programme, not actually listening to what the person you're talking to is talking about. Oh, this is lovely, isn't it? Your last chance to vote for the next Sun pin-up. Cool, cool. Down to the final three. And here they are, the numpties. Uh, for this one, you've got Jasmine. Jasmine, 21. Uh, you've got Lacey. Lacey, 18. She's got a bit of a... Lacey. She's got a bit of a uh, face caught in a car headlight. And then you've got Claire. Claire's 22. And uh, she, she's nice. And you can vote for any of these girls here. And uh, it's interesting. Uh, Lacey says, I feel sorry for Kate being compared to Diana. And, uh, and strangely enough, Jasmine says, I'm not a Bieber fan. That's Justin Bieber, the singing fetus. She says, I like unsigned bands. Because she's... Re I mean, that's really good, isn't it? That's really good. Uh, another one here. Claire went from qualifying as a beauty therapist. What do you do, love? Beauty therapist. OK, what will be before that? Glamour model. Uh, what are you now? Nobody. And, OK, so what do you do? Do nails and do, like, makeup and hair. It's not really a career, is it, now, really? It's the kind of thing you do in between pulling pints in the local pub. They are supposed to be happiest people, aren't they? But, you know, but how long can you do it for? You, c you can't do it for a long time. 
Well, you can't really. I mean, you just cannot do this. I'm sorry. Beauty therapy is on the way out. I think beauty comes from within, ladies and gentlemen. You know, going in and having your fake nails done and stuff like that. You're having a facial today? Well, about bloody time. Goodness sake, I mean, honestly, she's had that paper bag over her face now for about the last two years, and today is the day it comes off. Whoa! Hooray, hooray, hooray. <laughs> um, another one here. Oh, this is the teacher, Richard Tremelling. OK, Richard Tremelling was fired as a teacher. He earned 40000 a year. And why was he fired? Because he allowed 15-year-old boys, two of them, to play on a sledge in the snow. They didn't get hurt. It was a ten-minute session, which passed without incident, but the headmaster, who'd not authorised it, fired him for breaking health and safety rules. Where is this place? Where is this place? Cardiff. Apparently, technology master Mr Tremelling, who was on 40 grand a year, department head, took the racing sledge to school as a teaching aid. He told the Cardiff panel that he carried out a mental risk assessment before riding it down a small slope behind Swansea's... Uh, I think it's called Seffenhen Goad Community School. Two pupils then volunteered to have a go. Mr Tremelling said, I told the first boy to follow the track marks that I'd laid down, which he did. I wanted to demonstrate sledge control, so I moved to a different slope. I went first, turning at the bottom. It was a bit fast, so the child started from halfway. The whole process took less than ten minutes. And I was sure it was uh, reinforcing their knowledge. He denies unacceptable professional conduct. And so at this hearing, they're now debating whether the headmaster was right to fire him on the spot. I mean, far bit for me to interfere in these little private hearings that they have, where sort of people go, excuse me, we need good teachers. Surely a teacher going out in the snow with a sledge, who supervises it, does it himself, is, is absolutely the right sort of person you want teaching children. I want the headmaster. I want the headmaster, definitely. Thunderbirds are go and licked, because they've got some Thunderbird stamps. Now, you know it's got nothing to do with Gerry Anderson now. Even though we put Gerry Anderson up... Uh, Jerry Anderson doesn't own anything to do with Thunderbirds. Nothing at all. Got lost long, long time ago in the mists of time. So I think, I forget which company it is. In the same way that Jerry's uh, ex-wife doesn't have anything to do with Sylvia Anderson. Nothing. But I think she has still got a Lady Penelope. Because I think they made various models. I'd quite like a Lady Penelope. Uh, less than a year ago, less than a year, Alex Reed left the celebrity Big Brother house, declaring his eternal love for that trumpet Katie Price. Well, now, apparently, it's all collapsing. Now they're saying that uh, she doesn't like him and she's seeking legal advice, trying to get rid of him less than a year. I mean, she really is the most unhappy person. You know, perhaps she should listen to Paul McKenna. If she listens to Paul McKenna this week on In Conversation, we can make her happy because she's not happy. But we want to make her happy. Well, we don't really, but, I mean, if I say that, it kind of means I'm doing my, uh, my duty. Uh, Mark's out and about today. He's also... Oh, he's having a lion. Oh, thank God for that. Because unlike Andy, down at uh, Chaffing Cross, uh, he's um, who's, who's a policeman, got a uniform and all the rest of it. Probably doesn't fit, but it's nice. And, uh, and Mark actually goes out and just repossesses them, loads them on top of his truck, and uh, that's the last you ever see of them. Because he, he takes them away. Uh, Steve, says Geraldine, I didn't know they had Hotmail in Perth, Western Australia. Have they got it over there as well? God. Hot, Hotmail, my least favourite company. More, more fake emails from Hotmail than anywhere else, I'm afraid. Just went for a lie down in 37 degree heat in Australia. Haven't you got flooding out there? Should you be on a lilo or something? Haven't you got that at the moment? Uh, Paul says on Bob Monkhouse, there were two shows. I would assume you saw the one where Lenny Henry 
was able to watch for the first time his debut on New Faces. The most interesting excerpts from his last uh, golden shot, slagging off the producer and team, did notice that Wei Wei Wong was on there. I used to love Wei Wei Wong. She was a dancer with the young generation. And I'll tell you what I used to love as well. There was a programme on the television called Lift Off with Aisha. And it was Aisha Bruff, I think, or something like that. And she was, I think, as far as I remember, the first Asian girl on the television. And it was like a, a, um, a pop programme. They'd have groups on there, like the Bay City Rollers or whoever it was, and we'd all sit there going, yeah, and doing all that kind of stuff. But Wei Wei Wong was a dancer with young generation. And she had lovely, long, long hair. A bit like Amanda, Chinese Amanda's hair. Very long, in fact, her hair was about as tall as Amanda. And long hair. And she was lovely. And she also turned up on Golden Shot as well. And uh, uh, Anne Aston was no dumb blonde. I believe she went to Union, her family run a large travel agent. In fact, it used to, because she couldn't work out, the th- oh, we've got to take a break, but she couldn't work out the numbers. And Bob Monkhouse was always quoted as saying, he said, Anne Aston only has to lift up her jumper and she can count to two. Isn't that marvellous? And people used to laugh. I didn't. Well, I did. Morning, everybody. Eight minutes past six. It's LBC 97.3. It's nice to have your company. It's Tuesday. It's January the uh, 11th already. We'll have a chat to Darren at half past. Off to the uh, theatre. And uh, Nick Ferrari this morning is going to be joined by Kit Malthouse, Deputy Mayor of London, with responsibility for the uh, Met Police. Uh, Plus, they're going to be talking about the House of Commons debating the European Union bill. And uh, also... Uh, talking today about the paedophile ring, which has been uh, sentenced, should Colin Blanchard ever be released. I'll talk to Malcolm Johnson, who's a solicitor who deals specifically with child abuse cases across the capital. All of that and more with Nick Ferrari this morning from Seven. Uh, Madam Jojo's have got Magic Night coming up. I think it's on the uh, 4th of February, and it's Magic Night Goes Mentalist. And I quite like that. And I've got more details coming up on the programme about that big magic show at the London Palladium. Paul Stone sent me an email the other day, and I've lost the thing at the moment, so I shall find it when I get home. And um, it's going to be to celebrate, I think, 100 years of magic at the London Palladium. Now, the last time that Paul did anything at the London Palladium, uh, he brought over Siegfried and Roy. Not working, but they came over just to, uh, as part of Magic Cares. So uh, that should be very interesting. What I'll try and do, I'll try and get them in on the Sunday programme to let you know more about that. If we can bring them back over again for something else, that would be very good. Oh, and I forgot to mention at the beginning of the programme that the, uh, the winner of the Steve Allen special iPad on Sunday was Diane from Adelstone. Well done, Diane. She had a bid made of... How much did she get the Apple iPad for? pound fifty-seven. And she made that bid at six minutes past nine. 30 seconds and six minutes past nine. So, well done, Diane. Congratulations. That should encourage the rest of you on Sunday. Because you, you seem to like the iPads. You know why? Because I think it's an absolutely amazing piece of kit. It's the kind of thing that everybody wants. And, and you can get it on LBC. Well, somebody got one last week for one pound fifty-seven. Uh, John Napper. Morning, John. And he says, I've just heard the podcast that discussed the Three Kings, also known as the Three Wise Men. Because we had this big discussion over how many wise men there were, and in fact, even if they ever existed. He said, according to astronomers, the star that they reputedly followed could well have been Halley's Comet, which makes the story plausible. Whether it actually happened is another question. What I want to know, he says, is what happened to the gifts. He says, as far as I'm aware, the Bible doesn't mention any of them again. I imagined if it happened today, the gold would be taken to Tesco and the frankincense and myrrh could be on eBay. 
I suppose in those days they'd be going down the Bethlehem flea market. Listen, we've, we've got... We don't really need this gold. We, we really... It's the baby Jesus. We really don't need it, honestly. I know we're in a stable, and it's, we're going to book into the Bethlehem Hilton, and we've got some myrrh as well, so we can flog some of that. So we're not too sure. The one thing that somebody's just pointed out to me is that uh, union militants and I thought we'd got rid of these in the 70s, are cynically targeting the royal wedding for strikes which could wreck the day for a million well-wishers. London underground drivers are threatening to walk out for a day of national celebration, and British Airways cabin crew could also stop work for a nine-day period, which includes the Easter weekend. I wouldn't upset the wrath of the country. I think this would be rather unwise, because otherwise, I tell you what we'll do, we might actually recommend that they just fire all tube drivers and bring in other people. Because if they're looking, tube drivers who earn about £45,000 a year, you know, it's, you don't even have to worry about doing this because it goes on tracks. So you don't have to worry about steering it, either left or right, because it's only going in one direction. And you just turn a handle and you keep your hand on it, and then you move the hand and it slows down and then it stops at a red light. And for this, they get £45,000 a year. I think I might quit, actually, and go and work for the... Because it, it's got to be easy. I'd wave at people. Hello, as I'm coming into stations. Gooey, hello, hello. You've not noticed me before. Hello! I would. I'd be very keen on that. Uh, Elton John has increased his staffing in anticipation of the baby arriving. Although, very strangely, the uh, the Mail today have said that he's um, he had, I think, last year, 14 staff, now 50. 50 staff. Cost him in excess of about um, £1.5 million pounds a year for the staff. Strangely enough, after all the criticism about Elton John and is he too old and all the rest, and other people saying, oh, it's just buying children, um, it was last year that when David Furnish was asked for a Daily Mail interview, uh, when, when are you going to have a family, he said, I don't think our lives are suited to raising children. He said, we're busy flying places all the time. We don't want to put the raising of children into the hands of nannies and housekeepers. We want to be active parents. We've got godchildren and kids that we support in Africa, so we're fine. Although, strange enough, when people have said, but is Elton going to stop touring? The answer is, that's how he makes his money. He does more than 100 dates a year. Because without those 100 dates, there's no income. Not that I think he's ever going to worry with a personal fortune, they say, of around £180 million. Because most of the money comes from touring. Certainly doesn't come from uh, sales of albums because he, he doesn't feature in, uh, in the album charts or in the singles charts. In the 12 months to March 31st, he took uh, a, a hit of 283,000. Not that it makes the slightest difference, I would think. But, but very strange, isn't it? When you sort of look at it and thinking, so presumably if Elton's still, still touring and he's got a huge uh, load of dates booked in already and I'm, I'm assuming he's going back to Vegas to do the Red Piano, which was very successful for him. I mean, either the baby's going to be whizzing backwards and forwards, or it's not. Because I did see the programme, perhaps it just stays there or something, but they had the uh, the two gay dads on the television the other day in their programme with their two new children, bringing the total to five children who are very balanced. In fact, they're almost a bit too bright. One of the little boys, I said the other day, was able to discuss quite quite easily to somebody at school, and he can't be any more than 10 or 11, what it's like having two gay fathers. And, and says that when, when they're not there, he misses them, there because that's his, that's his family. He doesn't know any differently. Didn't particularly want to see the, uh, the mother, even though, you know, she was available. And then they have two more babies, who are twins, I think. So they've now got twins as well. Going to be, it's quite a handful, isn't it? Seems quite a handful. Although it, it does make you sort of think, oh, I'm one of these ready-made families. 
Plus, we should have them in supermarkets. Just go along and say, I have one of those, one of the one from the very top shelf. Thank you. And one down here. Here she is in the paper today, Amina Moose. Um, she's an asylum seeker. Well, she's not anymore. She's a British citizen. And uh, the reason she's in the papers today is because she's a liar. Not only is she a liar, but she's ripped us off to the tune of a quarter of a million pounds. We've just sent her to prison for four and a half years. She lied and lied and lied, and we handed over benefits to the tune of £261,000. She claimed all sorts of things. Unfortunately, she was just a compulsive liar. The question you have to ask is, she's just the tip of the iceberg, isn't she? Answer, of course she is. With the headline, Sam Pitt. In London's biggest conversation with me, Nick Ferrari, this morning from 7. Morning, everybody. It's nice to be company. It's LBC 97.3. I forgot to mention the other day, I got halfway through telling you about the fact that I'd actually got something wrong on the programme. <laughs> yeah, I know, I got something wrong. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's never happened in 32 years, but it happened the other day, where I said the post office in Twickenham had closed. No, the shop's closed, but the post office is open. I was actually wrong. I mean, goodness sake, ridiculous, isn't it? That's misinformation. But, uh, so, to so the whole shop... Oh, well, I don't need to apologise to anybody. But, because uh, nobody was affected by it. So, in fact, you've got the post office open. It's just that the, uh, the rubbish shop that was fronting it has gone completely. It's a shame, because I used to like standing in a queue looking at all the Polish vegetables in tins. I was quite fascinated by all the different things you can get. Because I love that. I mean, I even, I even... I stand in front of the Jewish section, the delicatessen bit, and I go through everything thinking, what shall I buy? What shall I buy today? <laughs> shall I buy some salt beef? I love it. Can't get enough of it. I tell you, supermarket's fabulous. Um, I remember telling you the story some years ago about a friend of mine who uh, gets onto a plane, and it was one of the, uh, the budget airlines, uh, and he gets on... And he was fairly large, and the stewardess comes on and says, excuse me, can you move? We need to take off. We need to balance the plane. And so, apart from being a little bit miffed that he was the sole reason, uh, and I remember somebody writing in to me and saying, oh, this is absolute rubbish. They never have to, you know, balance planes to take off. The answer is they absolutely do. And the story in the paper today is as of the, the EasyJet passengers, who've now been threatened with arrest if they didn't get off the plane. It was too heavy to take off. And um, to save weight, they got 37 passengers off the plane. But many of them sat there and said, I'm not getting off. They went, off, or we're getting the police on. Get off the plane. And so there was a bit of a, bit of a kerfuffle. Unfortunately, uh, when they landed four hours later, some of the passengers thought they'd actually escaped unscathed. Uh, unfortunately they hadn't, because they'd taken their luggage off. So they took everybody's luggage off, but left the passengers on. They didn't think of that bit. So it was a little bit embarrassing, and uh, EasyJet have now, uh, because the bags arrived five days later. It's not much use, is that if you've got... Thing. They were doing a programme, what was the programme the other day? Essex Motorcycle Ambulance Men and Policemen on these... Ma- I couldn't ride a motorcycle if you, if you paid me a million quid. I, I can barely stay upright on a moped. And, um... And they were, they were going out one day and they had this woman and she got off a train and she had a bad back. And she was only young and she was like a load of people in this country. They said, you know, have you had this bad back before? She would go, no, but it really hurts. On a scale of one to ten, how, how bad is it? Ten being really the worst pain. She went, it's a nine. So they go, is there anything we need to know? Yes, I'm an insulin-dependent diabetic. So they go, right, OK, have you eaten food today? It's the first thing they check is, have you eaten your food? And they want to make sure that, you know, everything's going right. So he said, when was the last time you blood tested because she was the difference is she was insulin dependent so she's type one so she needs to check her blood at least three times a day just to find out where she is and they're looking for a four 
very rarely achievable for a lot of people, but that's what they're looking for. And she said, I don't know. I don't know, because I haven't checked it. I'm not very good at it. Well, unfortunately, if you don't check, you can die. It's as simple as that. Complications can set in. You can lose limbs. You can get ulcers. There's all sorts of big problems if you're insulin dependent. And uh, apart from the fact that you shouldn't have stress, you should never have stress, because that can make a chronic illness into something that can be quite fatal. And so he says, well, I'm just going to test your, your blood. So bearing in mind, she was expecting a four... She quite clearly was a real rubbish diabetic because her reading was 28.2. Now, 28.2, as far as I'm concerned, if ever I got a reading of 28.2, I might as well just go and lie down and die somewhere because it's just, you know, I've had an 11 and I thought an 11 was bad enough, but 28.2 was just, and he went, you're not very good, are you? So anyway, they, they, they gave her some glucose. And then it turned out she was needle phobic. She said, I'm needle phobic as well. He said, you're a diabetic and you're needle... And I I knew exactly what she meant. I'm not not phobic over them. I just don't like doing the blooming things. You know, so I've I've gone down to a smaller needle as I can can possibly manage at the moment. But uh, he said this is, unfortunately, a classic case of people who, who just don't look after themselves. And you should look after yourself. You know, it doesn't matter what sort of illness you've got. You know, you should do the exercise. Sitting in front of a television is rubbish, apparently. I don't know why anybody ever thought sitting in front of a television was going to help you uh, lose weight. That uh, it doesn't. I see that Danny Minogue has made one paper today because she wants her fashion label, Project D. I mean, have you ever heard of such a stupid name in your entire life? Project Danny. She wants to design Kate Middleton's wedding dress. She said there are lots of companies who want to do it. I had a meeting with Project D the other day. I mean, it, it sounds like a medicine that you take, doesn't it, really? It just doesn't sound like a... It just, or a cream. What are you, t- are you taking? Preparation H. What's that for? Her hemorrhoids. And, uh, yes, but it just seems also Project D. It's such a stupid name. It just doesn't even... You know, call it fashionista or call it, you know, microphone or, you know, air conditioning. Just call it anything but Project D. And she talks about it as if it's something different. I had a meeting with Project D. What, you had a meeting with your own company? How bizarre was that? They're not going to ask you, love. I've seen the fashion range. It's very sweet, but it's not for Kate Middleton. She's going to be going for something that the establishment will want. And down at Buckingham Palace, they've already got... All this would have been sorted out. They sort these things out long in the... They're not going to come up with anything. And they will be saying to us, so do you have a particular favourite designer? Then they'll check and see whether she's got any history or he's got any history. Because you don't want something emerging that, you know, is some mad-as-a-brush designer. Uh, Britain's Got Talent hopefuls have been taking the Michael out of one of the show's once tubby new judges. Apparently they're all making jokes about Michael McIntyre's weight because he is prone, like a lot of people, to putting weight on. Taking it off is the problem, I'm afraid. So they're, they're making jokes at him. But bearing in mind, it's only in the, in the first stages of the programme. You, you'll actually get to see it later. Oh, I'll tell you who was very peculiar on the television the other day. If ever you wanted to see fakeness... There it was, plastered all over this morning with Kerry Katona, sitting there with a big fake smile on her face. I mean, she looked odd. She sounded like she'd smoked about 500 cigarettes. We know she smokes about 40 a day. And she was on there, and she's done a year off drugs, but she came over really odd. Check it back on on YouTube. Kerry Katona, remember the last time we saw her on there, she was the one who said to Philip Schofield, are you suggesting that I'm drunk? And he went, no, I'm just saying you're not your normal self. Well, if that was her normal self yesterday, I'm Dutch. Because there was something really, really not right there. She sat there with, and, and the public, and I'm doing it. And it was sort of a bit, it, it looked a little bit controlled. She just looked somewhat odd, I'm afraid. Somewhat odd. The royal family is helping Brits celebrate the royal wedding by refusing to pass VAT onto the public. 
It's nice, isn't it? I don't the slightest difference to me. I don't care less. I will be buying a tea towel, though. I will be buying a tea towel. Because I, I think you should buy some memorabilia. If, if you want to buy something, then you should, you should buy something. Because in years to come, you can pass it on to the kids. Because I've got Charles and Diana memorabilia. I've got, you've got a mug. I've got two, two goblets, which I bought at a car boot sale for about, I think, ten quid each. And what else have I got? I've got all sorts of strange things. I, but mind you, I've got some LBC memorabilia, as I said the other day. I've got all sorts of things. I've got an LBC milk bottle. I've got LBC little radios. I've got all sorts of things. I've got loads of stuff. I've got loads and loads of stuff. You know, I've also got LBC advertising campaigns. I'm beginning to sound a little bit like an anorak. I realise this morning this is not going as well as I thought. I really shouldn't talk about this ever again. Uh, Steve says, Anne in Richmond, I saw the King's speech. Isn't it absolutely wonderful? I was in tears. That's as far as we're going to go because Noreen's seeing it today and we don't want to ruin it for anybody. Stephen Harlington says the headmaster's wrong. Remember what we got up to when we were young? Elf and safety would have had an heart attack. Um, I agree. When we were kids, if it was snowing at school, we would take um, a, one of the school benches, turn it upside down and we'd push it along. You're right, nowadays you can't do anything. So I, th- I agree the headmaster was wrong. Simon in Sussex has bought a toaster from Sainsbury's for £4.97. It was Aisha Bruff, says Carl. Whatever happened to it? I've got no idea. Stephen Arlington says, I know a tube driver, and he says they have to learn the road. He said, and I'm a lorry driver. I get the map out, as you do. Wish I was on 45 grand. Who doesn't? Good grief. It's LBC 97.3. It's, um, it's... uh, Morning, everybody. In a moment, we'll have a chat to, uh, to Darren. I think we're off to the theatre. I'm looking at this flood in, in Australia, this amount of water and, and the, the dreadful carnage that, you know, you've, you forget the power of water and what it can do. I think even in Boscastle, when we had cars floating down the main street and you think, oh, that would never happen here. Not many. Uh, it was Aisha Bruff, says Paul. Granada's children's TV under the late Muriel Young produced not only Liftoff with Aisha, but also shows which featured the Bay City Rollers and T-Rex. I think Shangalang was the uh, Bay City Roller show. I cannot remember that. I remember seeing T-Rex and Mark Bolan uh, on there, but I can't remember the name of the programme. Being over 39, you may remember Muriel as the presenter of the Five O'Clock Club with Wally Whiten, which featured Fred Barker and Ollie Beak. They were the two owls who sat there. Muriel was also the glam TV announcer in the Peter Sellers film I'm Alright Jack. On retiring, she went to Spain and became an Artist. Lovely. Really good stuff. A uh, picture in the paper today of Zoe Salmon. Um, still never actually found a job for poor Zoe that, that ever matched Blue Peter. How are you? Because we never actually got any further with our career. She did host this Love Bus programme, which was ghastly. And uh, now, apparently, she's hosting the World's Strongest Man competition. They can't find anything for you at all, can they, Zoe? It's a bit of a shame, really. And she's gone back to her sort of bleach blonde hair with the fake extension bits in. It's not a good look. Not a good look, but uh, eventually you will find something, because I now think I've decided, having heard him on In Conversation last week, that Lenny Henry's way forward is radio. Because he's absolutely got the ideal voice for radio. Absolutely. Uh, like Darren. Morning! Morning to you. Mort, what a lovely day. Wet, wet everywhere. We should turn the bath off. I should turn the bath off. You're quite right, actually. It's mm-hmm. terrible. Flooding everywhere, because the, uh, all the drains are blocked. So it's not so good. Well, I'm going to send you off to the theatre. It's okay. that time of year again where you can go and see a West End show for £10 up, upwards. 50 shows taking part. Right. I'll highlight some of them. Okay. Can't do all 50 on the thread, otherwise we're here. And they're, doing, the sorry, they're, they're doing how much of the seats? Uh, £10 upwards. So right. it's called Get Into London Theatre. 
We do it every uh, January and February. Um, but if you go to get into londontheatre.co.uk or just type it into Google, you can have a look at the complete list and the availability. Now, remember, book early. The other trick to this is that the availability changes all the time. The producers are adding seats when they sell out very quickly mm. um, to some of the to some of the shows as they go along. Let me start the list. 39 steps down at the Criterion Theatre. Nice. Bagpuss, which I really want to go Bagpuss? Bagpuss, yeah. Well, the so musical? It's, uh, it's a play, Good but time. I doubt you're going to get tickets for it, but you never know, they may they may have some more because it's um, was put oh, off yeah, Christmas. The only show on television I hated. This this was... Was this the, the one that he was a stuffed toy in a window? Oh. It was the toy shop, and they all came to life when the shop came, when oh. the shop shut every day. Producer used to uh, cry, little, apparently. Little church mouse. Mm. We are... Yeah. Mm. Very popular. Strange. Strange. Unfortunately, not with you. Well, I didn't even know it was on, so... <laughs> Bird song. Yeah. He played down at the comedy theatre just down the road from you. Blood Brothers, Chicago, Death Trap, Dirty Dancing, Flash Dance. And there's another one you should go and see. Ghost Stories. Oh, right. This is... Um, Andy Nyman, is that? Play. Andy Nyman and Jeremy Dyson's horror play. Fifteen and upward you have to be for this one. I'm afraid, so don't take the kids for this. No, take the kids. Andy Nyman, more fun. The... <laughs> <laughs> Leave them there. Well, some of the kids, they were saying the other day, there was a story that was doing the rounds in the papers, that they were saying that for the Wizard of Oz at the Palladium with, um, Michael Michael and everything else, that the, uh, that the the Wicked Witch of the West is so scary, some of the kids have left the show already. (laughs) I said, I've never read so much rubbish in my life. (laughs) Why would kids leave a show that was too scary? Free publicity. Exactly. Uh, where were we? Jersey Boys? Yes. Got great Steve reviews. Frank. I think Barbara Windsor yeah, went to see that. She said it's fab. Uh, Mamma Mia, Million Dollar Quartet. This is the new musical coming into the West End from the 8th of February, and mm-hmm. it's about the night in 1956, where Elvis Presley, Johnny Cash, Carl Perkins, and Jerry Lee Lewis met in the studio for the one and only time. And uh, it's going to feature 20 classic hit songs, including Great Balls of Fire, Hound Dog, I Walk the Line, Blue Suede Shoes, and so on and so forth. I like a, I like a toe-tapping show. <laughs> And lots of long runners taking part as well this year. Lay Miz, 25th year, as you know. Phantom of the Opera, that's about to come up to its 25th anniversary as well. Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, so no doubt Andrew Pierce will be booking. He loves it. How many times have you seen it now? Is it 11? 11, yeah. 11 times. Only Andrew Pierce. (laughs) So now they're doing the cheap seats. I'm sure they'll be going to see it every night until (laughs) February. (laughs) They're straight away. Uh, Stomp. Thriller, the Michael Jackson, Wicked, of course, down at the Apollo Victoria, and The Woman in Black, and many, many, many more. Get into londontheatre.co.uk. Right. So no excuses that it's too expensive. Get into londontheatre.co.uk. Other shows you might be interested in booking, um, at the National Theatre, they're doing Danny Boyle's adaptation of Frankenstein. And, of course, Danny Boyle's most um, famous production recently, the film Slumdog Millionaire. So I suspect this one's going to be very popular indeed. It's going to be interesting to see how they do something like Frankenstein without camping it up too much. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I often wonder about any show that comes in, you go, oh, I wonder how they're going to do that. And then you think, oh, yeah. that's quite clever, really. That's how they do it, yeah. yeah. That's how they do it. it always well, works. that's opening at the National uh, in February, but tickets are now on sale, and I suspect you have to book early for that. Yeah. Sold 
Another one worth catching up with. It's the last couple of weeks down at the Barbican of Black Watch, the award-winning play based on the true stories of soldiers' lives in conflict, which started its life a couple of years ago, well, three or four years ago up in Edinburgh. It's been uh, touring and doing very well wherever it goes ever since. Excellent. So no excuse. Tons to go and see. All pretty cheap at the moment. Go and see some theatre. Lovely. Thanks, Darren, very much indeed. Darren's back with us on Sunday when we sort out all your techie problems. Thank you for that. Off Pleasure. You. Thank you. Bye. Apparently, I was only part wrong. I wasn't fully wrong. Oh, thank goodness for that. About the post office. I was not fully wrong about the post office. The good news is, well, the bad news for most of, most of you living in Twickenham, it's going to close in two weeks. So, the post office only there for sure. So, I was, I was partly right. Partly right. That the uh, that the post office is going to close in two. I thought it seemed a bit odd just having a post office at the back. I don't know where they're going to put it. I mean, perhaps do we need a post office? Answer is, of course we do. Where are people going to cash their gyros or whatever people do nowadays? Where are people going to post parcels? Have to trek all the way into Richmond, I suppose. And that's the boys in Cheney's, Paul and Graham. Thank you very much indeed. So uh, partly right. So it's definitely going to close in two weeks. So get to the post office. Actually, at the moment, it just looks like a deserted thing, and they're trying to rent the two upper floors there. We've got so many empty buildings in Twickenham at the moment. Never a good, uh, never a good sign, is it? I suppose because people say, "Oh, I tell you what, let's go to Richmond or let's go to." Although the other day, there must have been a robbery in Richmond. It seems to be the robbery capital now. We've had people before trying to smash jewellers' windows, and 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 during daylight that was that was until a, a pensioner tackled them, and the pensioner became a hero. But unfortunately, he, he passed on, not through as a result of doing that. And then yesterday, there was a Group 4, four security van, and the driver was talking to a policeman who'd blocked off the little road by the fish and chip shop in Richmond. So I'm assuming that probably some of these, one of these gangs had been down there, and, and they'd sort of rob... It's getting dreadful, really, isn't it? It is. I mean, it's, we're becoming a bit... I think we need more people to volunteer being, uh, being police officers. I think having, having people on the streets is always a, is always a good idea. Uh, good to know. I'm coming to London in about a month, says Miriam. I'm going to book with LL or BA, whichever is cheaper. She's not sure about the weight problem with, with EasyJet. She said, I don't want to be thrown off, but I have to know I can get to London in time for my nephew's wedding. And uh, if you come to Golders Green, I'll show you all the kosher Jewish shops there. Listen, I probably know more kosher Jewish shops in Golders Green and elsewhere than any other living person alive. I know the area very, very well. Uh, Aisha Bruff uh, was apparently in Jerry Anderson's show UFO. Really? I'll have to check that one out. I didn't know she did. I didn't know she did acting. I had no idea she did uh, acting. And um, and Richard says, I do miss Dockyard Doris and the two old ladies at the cricketers. One played the piano, the other the drums with their cat on top of the piano. Well, somebody will come back with us uh, on that one. There's probably pictures of them. Uh, Jenny and Mitchum said it was Pussycat Willem. I had a Pussycat Willem puppet. You see, it's, it's unfortunately a few years ago. You have to be over the age of 40 to remember these uh, things, but it was Wally White and Muriel Young and Ollie Beak, and then Pussycat Willem, who was another... Okay, and I had a Pussycat Willem puppet, because when you're young, your parents tended to be influenced by what was on the television. So I had the biggest spotty dog you've ever had, and sort of sets of the wooden tops and stuff like that, which is going back just a little bit... uh, a little bit too far, I'm afraid. Worst children's programme ever, says Steve Bagpuss. See, I never liked it. i tell you for why I never liked it. It looks... Oh, I know you disagree, but that's, that's, that, that's healthy. 
Well, it might have been your favourite, but it was just a piece of old furniture stuffed in a window. It didn't come to life at all. It was. Ve- it looked as though it was shot back in the 18... 18- She's crying again. Good, I like that. I like that in a person. Bring back Magic Roundabout, he said. Let's see them do that on stage. When I worked in a department store years ago, our Christmas uh, grotto theme was Magic Roundabout. And we <laughs> they had the roundabout in there. And, and three quarters... They, they say... They, they were probably normal size figures, and you walk through the grotto of Magic Roundabout and the figures turning round and the roundabout turning round, the music playing, which drove you mad after about five minutes. And then eventually you got to see Father Christmas, and uh, you sat on his lap, and, and he gave you a present. 33 I was at the time, and I loved every minute of it. I was the only person queuing to go through the grotto. I did it in all the department stores, because I just, I just failed to understand why it has to be for children. Why can't adults go in there and talk to Father Christmas? All the everybody else three and four, and I'm thirty-seven. But there you go. No, three oh three foot four. All right. Mary from Sunny Crawley says, "Well done to Crawley Town Football Club. They played a fantastic game, beating Derby County last night." Right. Okay. Not really sure where I'm going to go with that one. Steve Allen now does football scores. What next? Lacrosse over thirty-five. Nudist leapfrog. Now that is where you're talking because I was I was I was the person leapt over for many a year. Quarter to seven. These are the headlines with Sam Pitt. section of programme podcasts, go to lbc.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Thank you very much indeed. That was Petri. Don't forget, you must download the Lenny Henry. And uh, definitely, if you want to be happy this weekend, it's Paul McKenna. Joan says, wasn't the dog called Fred Barker? Vaguely, I think he was. Yes, I think so, in the back of my mind. Good news is that we've got two loved-up giant pandas heading to uh, Britain. Uh, Yang Guang and Tian Tian, a breeding pair, or a gift from China, because they've got tons of pandas. They've got so many... Do you remember seeing all the pictures in the papers of all these baby pandas being... They've got more pandas than they know what to do with. And we go, oh, all the ones I remember over here, you know, we were constantly going, oh, perhaps they want to breed. But if pandas don't want to breed, they don't breed. You just have to kind of wait till they do. You've just got to supply them with lots of bamboo. So they've grown up speaking Chinese. You know, they've got the huge paws. I think we used to look at them as being very furry and... Well, no, they let, they'll, they'll grow up un- only understanding Chinese, won't they? So you'll have to educate them to understand English. Because I'm assuming all the Chinese keepers with them speak Chinese. I think they're going to be speaking Swahili. They're going to be speaking Chinese to them. No, but, please wait, if you've got a dog in China, it's not going to understand English sit, is it? It's going to be understanding Chinese. So that's why, you know, when you go home... She's just outside the Forbidden City... Quite a long way outside the Forbidden City, in fact, Blackpool, and uh, and that's what they do. They end up understanding China. I don't know what. What would you think? Pandas speak English or understand English? No, I know that. Well, they do some of them. I've seen programs on the television where pandas speak. I've seen the film Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> the meerkats as well. Well, they definitely speak. That's why people were buying them, weren't they? Like at the moment, people buying these silly little pigs and everything else, which is just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Other stories in the papers today. Uh, they've got, uh, yeah, they, they mentioned the cash machines, which are as dirty, they say, as public loos. And so what they did, they actually took swabs from the keypads of a string of city centre ATMs. You never crossed my mind. It really never crossed. I never thought that's where we're getting germs from. But I, I, I stand by a theory that years ago, and you'll all go for this if you're over 35, you know, we drank from garden hoses, we played in the dirt, we climbed trees, we did everything. We never caught any illnesses. In fact, I'm sure we now, because we're all so hygienic mad, I'm sure now we actually pick up more illnesses because we're so clean. You walk into this building, Courtney's got the biggest antiseptic hand wash you've ever seen down there. Huge, huge. 
And, um, he's also looking after two books for me at the moment, which I ordered ages ago, probably before... Oh, it was way before Christmas, wasn't it? And these are the two Secret and Roy books, which have come out. A limited edition of 500. I think the run has sold out, and I bought two. And with them come every contract that they'd ever signed, with the Mirage, uh, unseen photographs, a bit of the canopy. They've cut the canopy from above the Mirage into pieces to put in all the books. I can't remember how many there are. There might be just 500, but I know that Secret and Roy want them. And I think the Mirage have got some of the books as well. And I bought two quickly hoping that they would arrive and not disappear in the post. But uh, luckily, post between here and America. And strangely, Courtney said yesterday, he said, these books arrive, it's Siegfried and Roy, because it says on the outside, Siegfried and Roy, a bit of a giveaway. And, well, you can't pick them up, they're far too heavy. So I, I said, I'll, don't worry, I'll, I'll come and collect them at the weekend and start going through them, which should be quite uh, nice. Here she is again, looking, uh, looking very good, Claire Nazir in a tiny gold bikini. Because you remember that uh, Claire was trying to sell her DVD of losing weight. Anyway, she's on holiday at the moment in the Caribbean. That's how much money you can make out of doing one of these DVDs. Because you, you pile on the pounds, you really make yourself look as fat as possible. Then you go out there with a photographer who takes a picture of you exercising in a local park in a bikini. Which emphasises just how fat you really are. And then you just do three months of intensive training. Uh, knock yourself down. And then you bring out the DVD and make about £200,000. It's a simple process, happens every year. In fact, next year, or this year, I will pick out the people for you who will be releasing DVDs. They either disappear for a while, but, I mean, obviously, naturally thin people, not much use to you. Uh, at the moment, I'm afraid, a little bit of a problem with um, the girl who was in EastEnders and who then went to Dancing on Ice... No, not Natalie Cassidy, who goes back into EastEnders very briefly. They probably go, whoa, you put on weight. And, uh, and then she goes out. She's only in, I think, for one... I know, I can't bear her either. <laughs> Nobody likes Natalie Cassidy. She became a little bit precious, I'm afraid. A little bit too sort of precious. She was good and funny when she was in EastEnders, and then we went through this silly thing, and then, then it just got a bit daft. No, the, the other woman who, um, who was part of the DeMarco family, um, the one who, who writes for The Mirror, went into Dancing on Ice and just been kicked out. We kicked out Angela Rippon and, and that other one. And, of course, she'll be gutted, because she's got her, her DVD to bring out. And she'd obviously been able to plug it on the programme and get loads of interest. Now, nobody would be interested. Unfortunately, Angela Rippon has reacted very badly, which I always like, because Angela and me go back a long, long way. And she said to Jason Gardner, listen, no good criticising me for saying I was average and nice. You get out there and do it. Of course, the answer being that he, he probably could do it, I should imagine, but he probably just doesn't do that kind of thing. I mean, I can't do it, but bearing in mind, they've, they've not just started recently, they've been doing it, for three months now. They started in October. October, November, December. That's how long they've been training for this programme. Now it's on to the, uh, the live things. Bridget says, uh, David and I have two tickets for Priscilla through the offer Darren was mentioning. Two front row tickets for the price of one. My fifth time and David's third. So you see, people are creeping up on that. I thought it was just things like Phantom of the Opera. But having heard that Andrew Pierce has been to see Priscilla 11 times, and now David and Bridget are catching up. Five, I mean, eight times between the two of them. John says there's a nice post office in Whitten High Street, one minute walk from the station, and the H22 stops right outside. Thank you for that. And uh, Mary says, I just wanted to say how pleased I was that Crawley won. That was going to be some standing joke, isn't it, now? I realise you don't usually read the football scores. I've got no idea what football is, I'm afraid. Not, it's not the case of the scores, even though I used to do a uh, football programme on LBC. I used to do a sport programme... And I have done every programme, actually, it is true. But I did a very good sport programme, and, and it rated really well. 
It rated really well, and I discovered that I could talk about it. I didn't understand it, but then I've often subscribed to the fact you don't need to understand something to be able to talk about it. And I did the sport programme for about a year. A year. And even um, even the sports editor said, God, you sounded really convincing. I said, of course. I'm a professional radio presenter. That's what I do, isn't it? I can, I can talk... I've covered three elections. Three elections? Yeah, three elections on the programme. Uh, Steve? Uh, I forgot to tell you, I was going to Twickers... On Sunday night, went to see the inimitable singer-songwriter Rob Johnson at the Cabbage Patch. Great night out, says Julietta, which is nice. You always have a good night out in Twickenham, especially when the post office closes, because that'll be another empty building, and this one's huge. It's a really big building to close, so there's no shop. And in two weeks' time, as the boys say, the uh, the post office goes as well. Where are we going to cite it? I have no idea. Other stories in the papers today you'll be talking about later on. The policeman, Mark Kennedy, who infiltrated a gang of eco-warriors... Now haunted by his betrayal, he wants to support the friends he was put in there to convict. So the whole trial collapsed. It's all very bizarre. All very bizarre. Listen, that's about it for this morning. Do take Petra's advice. Go to lbc.co.uk. Learn how to podcast. It will change your life. From as little as £2 a month, you can download everything on LBC. And I mean everything. And it goes back years. There's all sorts of things. And um, that means you'll never be without a programme where you can go, do you know, I've just downloaded that. Some people download everything. It's well worth it from as little as £2 a month. Don't forget to check out the blog. And don't forget to make a note in your diary that if you want to be happy, we can tell you how to be happy with Paul McKenna in conversation on Sunday morning. It'll be between 6 and 7, just before the Sunday breakfast show. So if you want to know more about it, it's Paul talking about his latest book. And we talk about loads of other things. Is he lucky in love? And, uh, and the fact that he knows this building very well indeed. All of that and more with Paul McKenna on Sunday. Nick and team with you very shortly. First of all, the business update with Sam Pittis.